today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Sometimes God will say no. Sometimes God will say slow. Sometimes God will say grow. And there's sometimes where God will say go. See, if I'm wrong, God will say grow. If the request is wrong, God will say no. If the timing's wrong, God will say slow. But when the timing's right, and I'm right, and the request is right, God says, here you go. God's delays are not God's denials. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes. God's delays are not always God's denials. Today, you learn from Pastor J.D.'s message to seek the Lord in prayer. Sometimes when you pray, God will say, no, slow, grow, or go. Trust that His response to your prayer is always what's best for you. Keep seeking and knocking. He will answer you with what you need. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Moses is literally, not hyperbole, he is literally at the end of himself and he asks God to kill him. That's how bad it is. Oh, no, for real. It's not, again, hyperbole. He's, he's like, will you please just put me out of my I can't take this anymore. These people are killing me. Like, you have to understand, in all fairness to Moses, he has led them out of Egypt. They've seen the Red Sea part. They walked on dry land, and then they witnessed the Egyptians being drowned in the waters when they were pursuing the Israelites. They've witnessed a a rock bringing forth water. They've witnessed miracle after miracle after miracle. They have never been in want. They've never died of thirst. They've never died of hunger. And repeatedly they're complaining, were there not enough graves in Egypt? God had to lead us out here to kill us. So God says, Moses, okay, it's, it's going to be okay. Just take a deep breath. I, I probably need to take a deep breath here too. <laughs> All right, here's what we're, <laughs> we're going to do. Okay, I'm going to anoint others to kind of take, because clearly the burden is too great for Moses. It's crushing him and it's killing him. So God says, okay, we're going to take care of it. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to give them meat to eat, because they're they're not satisfied with the manna. They're complaining about the manna. So I'll give them meat to eat. If that's what they want, fine. I'll give them flesh, which is what meat is, flesh. By the way, you know that can of chili con carne? You know what carne means, right? Carnal. Fleshly. You're eating chili with flesh. So bon appetit. (laughs) That's what it means. The word carnal. Fleshly. Carnality. So he says, 
They're in their carnality wanting to eat flesh. Fine, I'll give them flesh, I'll give them meat. So here's Moses. It kind of reminds me of the disciples. He says to God, um, okay, wait a minute. God, how are you going to do that? All the fish that we're able to, you know, catch and all of the, there's no way you're going to get them enough meat to eat. And God says, oh, don't worry about it. I, got, I have ways. Watch me now. Watch what I'm going to do. He said, I'm not only going to give them meat to eat for a day or a week, I'm going to give them eat meat to eat for an entire month. In fact, <laughs> you want meat, do you? I'm going to give you all the meat you could possibly eat. In. It's going to be in your teeth, and you're going to have your fill of it. And it's, I'm sorry, but it's in the text. Read it for yourself. I'm not, you know, embellishing. He says, I'm going to make, I'm going to, you're going to be so full of this flesh, it's going to come out of your nostrils. <laughs> that is disgusting. What's the point? You want meat? Apparently you're not satisfied with the manna. I'll give you meat to eat. I'll give you so much meat. So you know how it goes, right? You know what happens. Not, not based on a true story. This is a true story. This literally happened. All of these quail. And God has the quail within reach of the Israelites and the mixed multitudes. And they're going, yeah. And it says there was so much quail that they would not gather less than 10 homers. It's the first mention of baseball in the Bible, some believe. <laughs> That's the measurement, I'm sorry. In other words, they had plenty. And sure enough, they ate. Oh, wow. And then the next day, oh, wow. And then the next day, oh, wow. And then on and on and on. And finally, it's coming out of their nostrils. And the very flesh that they lusted after killed them. It ended in their own death. Now, you would think that would be bad enough, and it is. But when you get to Psalm 106, verse 15, the psalmist is recounting all of this, and he references this account in Numbers 11, and he actually adds more to it, and fills in a couple of the blanks, because it says that God sent them meat to eat, but sent leanness into their soul. In other words, you want meat to eat? The, the, the bread of life, the bread of heaven, which by the way, manna was a type, a picture of Jesus. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And apparently that's not good enough. You're not satisfied. You lust after more. So I'll give it to you. I mean, you know, one of the things, you know, the Spirit of God does not strive with man forever. God's never going to force us into obedience. He's not going to force us to obey Him. I mean, at some point, it's like in Romans 1, it's a chilling chapter. It's a very apropos chapter for where we're at in the world today. But God just says, you know, He's going to give them over. It's not, it's not that 
you know, they don't stand a chance. I mean, if you misunderstand that, you would think God is being unjust and unfair. What he's saying is, you know, you're lusting after, you know, someone of the same sex as you, woman for woman, and man for man, you're burning for each other, lusting for each other. At some point, God just says, okay, have it your way. You know, I mean, it's not like he's not putting up the stops, the warnings, but he just gives them over and says, okay, I've given you your own free will, your own choice, your own sovereignty over your own self. So if that's your decision, your heart is hardened and your neck is stiffened, then okay. And he gives them over to it. And when that happens, you can be so full of the flesh, the lusts of the flesh, but proportionate to how you fill yourself with that, you will be lean, starving in your soul. One last thing, and we'll move on. We've got to get through chapter 6, right? We'll have you out of here by midnight. You brought your pajamas and toothbrushes, right? So, but here's a great illustration I heard that has stuck with me over the years. You have the lamb over here, that's the spirit, and you have the lion over here, that's the flesh. And that flesh rears its ugly head. What happens if you starve that lion and you feed that lamb? That, that lion will become so weak it can't even get up. And now you're feeding and strengthening that lamb. That lamb's going to you know, walk over there, and the lion can't do anything because the lion's been starved. And that lamb, the lamb of the spirit, will prevail over the lion of the flesh. When you feed the spirit, you won't fulfill, fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 8, for what more has the wise man than the fool? What does the poor man have? Who knows how to walk before the living? Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of desire. This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. This is an important principle, a truth, and it has to do with never being satisfied with what God's given you and what you have, because you're always thinking about what you don't have. Let me say the same thing in a different way. This is what Solomon's saying here. He's talking about this, this wandering desire. I mean, look what you have. Yeah, but I don't have that. Oh my goodness. So here you're desiring this, when you have this, again, contentment. Paul says that godliness with contentment is great gain. Great gain. It's all about contentment, being content with such things as you have. Not desiring more, because that then gets into covetousness and greed. And it has at its core the lusts of the flesh driving it. Verse 10, whatever one is, 
he has already been named, for it is known that he is man, and he cannot contend with him who is mightier than he. Here's another very profound truth, life-changing truth. And it has to do with arguing with God about His ways and His whys. Let me expound on that for just a moment. So, His ways are higher than our ways. We cannot know His ways. Who can know the mind of the Lord? Who can know the ways of the Lord? Who can know the whys of the Lord? What good does it do to contend with God? God, why? Why did you allow this to happen? God, I, I don't understand. This makes no sense. Why, why, God, why? And here's the answer. It's not that I don't want to tell you. It's that I can't tell you. And the reason I can't tell you is because you could not fathom it. Because you're finite and I'm infinite. And there's no way the finite can comprehend the infinite, even if I tried. You know what would happen? Well, it's like every parent who's answering the the child's why questions. Why is the sky blue? Oh, because that's God's favorite color. Why is that God's favorite color? Because God likes blue. Why does God like blue? Why, 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 why? Listen, I don't know why, but there is coming a time when you're going to understand why. Yeah, but God, that was really painful. I don't know why you would have allowed it. Oh, you have no idea. If you only knew, I was protecting you from something infinitely more painful. Yeah, but God, that that really hurt. Oh, that's a hangnail compared to what I protected you from. But you can't understand that. In my sovereignty, I see the end from the beginning. And I'm going to allow things to happen because I know what's ahead. I know what's around the corner. Yeah, but God, when our daughter died, that was so painful. We really didn't think we were going to make it through it. Yeah, but look what I did. Look what I did. Oh, Lord. Yeah, but God, I worked so hard. I was so loyal in that company, and they just terminated me. Why? Oh, but look what I did. I opened up this door, and isn't it so much better than that one? Had it not been for that, you would not have had this. That's why sometimes God just does what He does, And understand, and this goes back to this question concerning prayer, unanswered prayer, more importantly, unanswered prayer. Why is it that you pray and pray and pray and pray and pray, and God doesn't answer the prayer? What's up with that? Well, sometimes God will say no. Sometimes God will say slow. Sometimes God will say grow. And there's sometimes where God will say go. See, if I'm wrong, God will say grow. If the request is wrong, 
God will say no. If the timing's wrong, God will say slow. But when the timing's right, and I'm right, and the request is right, God says, here you go. God's delays are not God's denials. And here's the other thing, and this has helped me so much, I hope it'll be a help and an encouragement to you concerning unanswered prayer. God will always answer your prayers exactly the same way you would answer your own prayers if you knew what He knew. You know, sometimes, and I, this is a very good thing to do. I've done it for many, many years, over 20 years. I keep a prayer list, a prayer journal. And sometimes it's so good to go back over that prayer list and look at some of those prayers you prayed. I mean, brace yourself, because sometimes you look at that prayer and you go, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I I prayed that. No wonder you didn't answer that. It's kind of like God's in heaven going, you're praying that. That's all? Look what I did. I, I, I would go back. I do it in both Microsoft Word, that's my prayer journal, my prayer list, Microsoft Excel, and I, go, I would go back and edit, delete. I did a lot of deleting because the prayers change things. Prayer changes things, but sometimes prayer changes the prayer. I would go back and change that prayer, edit that prayer. But when I look back in retrospect, and you've heard it said that Yes, we thank God for the prayers He has answered, but how many times have you praised God and thanked God for the prayers He did not answer? Oh my goodness, if God would have answered that prayer that I prayed that way, it would have been catastrophic. And God knows it. It's kind of like you pray, oh God, and God's going, no, you don't want that. No. No, 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 no. That would be very bad, very bad, very, very bad. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. If it's good, God's going to give it to you. And and His timing is going to be perfect too. God's not going to answer a prayer prematurely. And truth be known, you don't want Him to. There's His timing. It's it's been said, God is never late, but He's never early either. God is always going to answer your prayer the exact same way that you would answer your own prayer if you were omniscient like Him, all-knowing like Him. The problem is you're not. I I know that might be a shocker, but you don't know. He knows all. He knows the end from the beginning. And if He were to answer that prayer that way, and you knew what was coming, if He did that, you would say, no God, scratch that. I take that back. Don't answer that prayer. Don't worry, I wasn't going to. There's a lot of why questions that will never be answered this side of eternity. And I think the sooner we as God's people are okay with that, the better. And the longer we're not okay with that, the more miserable we are. Unnecessarily, I might add. Don't contend 
with God. That's where trust comes in and faith, right? See, in our flesh, we want to walk by sight. I want to see it. Seeing is believing. It's not, it's the opposite. Believing is seeing. When you believe, then you'll see. The blind will see. Verse 11. All right, we're going to do it. We did it. Don't look at your clocks. Since there are many things that increase vanity, how is man the better? For, verse 12, who knows what is good for man in life? All the days of his vain life, which he passes like a shadow. Who can tell a man what will happen after him under the sun? That's exactly the point. You don't know what happens. You don't know what's around that corner. God does. Here you're living your life thinking, hey, and we're going to see this again. By the way, oh, I can't wait. Next week, Lord willing, chapter 7, one of my favorite chapters in the book of Ecclesiastes. I know that I say that about every chapter, but chapter 7, particularly verse 14. So I'm going to give you homework. Ecclesiastes 7.14 a profound verse that really answers some big unanswered questions about God knowing the future and us not, and us having to look to Him, trust in Him for what's around the corner. We have to. We have to look to Him. Because see, if, if we're walking by sight and we know, then what's the point? We're not going to acknowledge Him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, acknowledge the Lord. Don't trust Him. Don't lean, lean not under your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, and He will make your path straight. He will straighten it out. See, because it's a mess. But when is it that we acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways and trust in the Lord with all of our heart? Is it not when we don't understand? Because if we did understand, we're not going to acknowledge Him. And there's no need to trust in Him because we got it. We got, I, I could take it from here. Okay, fine. I'll be here when you're done. It's, oh, it's going to be awful. You're going to go out and make it even worse. But I'll be here. You come to me, acknowledge me, trust in me. I'll straighten it out. But we think that somehow we're the what is the captain of our own destiny? What's that song, famous song, it's going to date me, but whatever. I did it my way. You did? Ooh, wow. No, <laughs> uh, I want God to do it His way. Thanks for joining us today for In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has been teaching through the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, a book written by King Solomon. Solomon is known as one of the wisest kings to ever live, but that doesn't mean he always made the wisest choices. In Ecclesiastes, we read the words of Solomon with both hope and warning. We hope because the Lord is faithful in every season, and we read with warning, for tomorrow is not promised. Or as Solomon writes, life is vapor, here today and gone tomorrow. How will you choose to live your life this year? With hope in the Lord or with sorrow in the world? 
Learn from Solomon and put your hope in the lasting things, the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope today's teaching has inspired and encouraged you to continue learning from God's Word. You can connect with us by visiting our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Just click on Contact under the About tab. You'll also find us on Facebook and Twitter, and you're welcome to interact with us there. Pastor J.D.'s teachings are also available on YouTube. Links to all of these are available at our website. If you don't currently have a home church, we want to encourage you to find and begin attending a church in your area. If you're near Kaneohe, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. Just check out InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com for more. We hope you'll join us next time for another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Do